1: This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Tableau Software and Dole Food Company.
2: Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are tuning in from around the world today, along with new listeners in Arizona, Boston, Chicago, and Florida. Thank you for your emails and letters and for being with us again. In just a moment, renowned expert on Russia-U.S. relations, Mr. Vladimir Posner, will be joining us from Moscow to talk about growing anti-American sentiment in Russia, the instability in the Ukraine, and help us understand what Putin's ambitions might be. But before Mr. Posner joins us, as is my custom each and every week, let me tell you a little about his background. Vladimir Posner was born in Paris, France. Shortly after his birth, the family moved to New York City. The Posners lived in Paris and New York until 1948 when they relocated to Soviet-occupied Berlin and from there to Moscow where Posner attended and graduated from Moscow University. His career as a journalist began with the Novosti Press Agency as a senior editor, and from here he became the executive editor of Soviet Life and later Sputnik Magazine. From here, Posner joined the USSR State Committee for TV and Radio as a commentator, and it was during this period that he began appearing on many U.S. talk shows from Nightline, CNN, uh, CBS, NBC, to the Phil Donahue Show, including a landmark program with co-host Donahue, which introduced Glasnost to Russian television. He moved to New York in 1989 to work with Donahue on a joint collaboration, which aired on CNBC, but by 2000, he returned to Moscow, where he hosted two highly rated television shows. I should also add that Mr. Posner has been awarded the Golden Medal of the Helping the World Grow Better Society, the Golden Gong Award, the Best TV Host Award, and the Dmitry Holodov Award for the Best Report About Russia from the Association of Foreign Reporters. Today he is the President of the Academy of Russian Television and the Dean of the Posner School of Television Journalism. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, outspoken journalist, author, television and radio host, Mr. Vladimir Posner. Welcome to the program, Mr. Posner.
3: Thank you very much. Pleasure.
2: Now, I thought uh, perhaps we could open today's program by asking you to comment on the recent military exercises uh, Russia has been conducting, uh, including reports that uh, state of the art missiles were moved to Russia's westernmost border next to uh, NATO members, Poland and Lithuania, and uh, long range nuclear bombers were dispatched to Crimea. Uh, what, what do you make of these exercises?
4: Well, it's obviously a bit of saber-rattling, and this has been building up over the entire period since uh, Ukrainian, uh, what I call debacle, really, the Ukrainian issue. Um, but I see it, the Russian leadership, uh, considers itself, considers Russia being surrounded by potential enemies, in uh, particular by NATO countries and by NATO as such. Uh, let's not forget that when uh, the Soviet Union ceased to exist, there was an agreement uh, between uh, the United States and Mr. Gorbachev that NATO would not move eastwards. And that was uh, Secretary of State Baker, had promised President Gorbachev. Soviet Union about the reunification of Germany and the Berlin Wall to come down, uh, the Soviet Union would not need to be afraid of NATO moving eastward. Well, the Soviet Union disappeared, and this is during the period of President Clinton, NATO began to move eastward.
2: But they made that agreement when the Soviet Union was in existence, and once there was no Soviet Union... And it was Russia. They said, well, there's no agreement with Russia. Is that right? Correct. I apologize for the sound quality. We're having some difficulty hearing you, Mr. Posner. Uh, I, I suspect it's just a landline going all the way from the United States to Moscow, and, uh, and we're just having a little bit of difficulty. Um, we're going to try to manage the uh, call line a little bit better on our end, and we'll go a little bit further. But if all else fails, uh, we will have the engineers redial and see if we can't contact you on your cell phone and see if that works a little bit better, because I think that the things that you have to say today have not been heard by the American people, and they're very, very important. So I want to be sure that we get a good connection, a nice, clear connection so that people can hear uh, what is really going on in Russia today, uh, which I don't feel the media has done a a reasonable job of presenting. So let's see if we can't get that line fixed a little bit better. Um, I see now the engineers are signaling me that they would prefer to redial you. So we'll go a little further down the road and we'll see how we do. In your view, uh, was this a, simply a response to what was a broken NATO agreement?
4: Well, first of all, not giving you, uh, this is not my view. What I'm trying to explain is, is probably the view of Mr. Putin and the Russian leadership that you cannot make a deal with the West and specifically with the United States, that uh, the United States is kind of saying, look, you guys lost the Cold War. So just shut up, and, and, and uh, you're a second-rate country, and, uh, and we will do what we want. And so the United States scene, I the leadership here, is an 800-pound gorilla that's pretty much doing what it wants, and it's very threatening. And the answer to that is, well, we're not gonna back down. We're going to show you that we're just as tough as you are, and if we have to do it by showing you that we have military strength, that's what we'll do. And it's a stupid game on both sides, but I think it's a game that both sides are playing. Mr. Posner, the telephone
2: line is breaking up and we can barely make out what you are saying. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask our studio engineers to redial your line. Uh, and uh, w- while they're doing that, uh, I want to take this opportunity to recap some of the points that you've made recently about Russia and Putin's view of the Ukraine and Crimea. Um, For example, you've made the point that Russia sees NATO as a threat and under no circumstances would they allow NATO forces or weapons into the Ukraine uh, for the exact same reasons that the U.S. could not allow Soviet missiles in Cuba. Uh, And the fact that Crimea had been given to the Ukraine by Khrushchev at a time when both countries were under the rule of the Soviet Union, so it it really didn't matter. Um, Well, all that changed when there was no more Soviet Union control. So now the relationship between Russia and the Ukraine can be much better understood by America. if, If we compare it to what our country would and would not allow, uh, let's say, Mexico or Canada to do on its borders with the United States or uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, as I mentioned earlier. Now, um, it it looks like our engineers have made a better connection with Mr. Posner's cell phone. Uh, (laughs) His cell phone, which they are telling me is better than the Russian Telephone Land Service. So, we're going to find out in just a few minutes if that's true. We'll, we'll take a short commercial break. And when we come back, Mr. Posner will rejoin the program and we'll find out whether we're entering a second Cold War period with Russia or whether there is still hope for de escalation. So stay tuned. There's more to come. You're listening to the Costa Report.
5: love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate.
6: Looking forward to your tax refund? So are identity thieves who steal refunds by filing fraudulent tax returns. Last year alone, they stole more than an estimated $5 billion from hardworking Americans just like you. Once identity thieves get a hold of your tax forms, watch out. They know that virtually all the information they need to steal your identity and even your life savings is right there. Help protect yourself with LifeLock Ultimate Plus. LifeLock Ultimate Plus provides protection for your social security number, bank accounts, investments, even the equity in your home. And while no one can stop all identity theft and nobody can monitor every single business, LifeLock Ultimate Plus provides their most comprehensive identity theft protection available. If you're filing taxes this year, especially if you're filing online, Get LifeLock Ultimate Plus. Visit LifeLock.com and use promo code RUSH or call and mention RUSH to save 10%. Call 800-440-4833. 800-440-4833. 800-440-4833.
7: Money can't make you happy, but the lack of it can sure add a lot of stress to your life. Need help with your personal finances? Listen Thursday nights at 7 p.m. to Money Moves. Host Pamela Fugit hedrick offers one hour of free tips and tools to help you manage your cash flows with her Money Moves. Each Thursday night, she discusses topics like how to prevent a complete personal financial meltdown, how to start a go-to fund for emergencies, provide ideas on how to cut back rather than cutting out some of your expenses, how to erase your debt load and financial stressors, how to find funding for your retirement, how the heck do you enroll to use health insurance, No more excuses. Money moves can answer these questions and so much more. Tune in Money Moves with your host, Pamela Fugit Hetrick, Thursday night from 78 p.m. to work on your money moves.
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is journalist and expert on Russian foreign policy, Mr. Vladimir Posner. And we had uh, one heck of a problem with our connection to Moscow, but I understand our engineers worked diligently and wonderfully, and we have you on a cell phone now, and the quality is is much better. Mr. Posner, are you there?
3: Yes, it is. It is much better. I can hear you very well, and I Hope you can
2: hear me. Oh, terrific. Now, I just wanted to review uh, a couple of the points that you were making in the first segment. You've pointed to the fact that these recent tensions... Uh, Might have been stopped long ago if NATO had not broken an agreement that was made between uh, Secretary of State James Baker with Gorbachev that said NATO would not move one inch eastward after Germany was united. But when the Soviet Union fell, NATO, um, I don't want to say used it as an excuse, but they sort of did to move eastward, claiming that that agreement was void because it was struck with the Soviet Union, which, of course, was no more.
8: Correct. Correct.
2: Um, And and you were making the point that as far as Russian leadership is concerned, their actions in Crimea and their actions in the Ukraine are simply a response to NATO continuing to move eastward.
3: That's not quite what I was saying, because you were asking me about uh, the kind of saber rattling that the Russians have been doing. And I was saying that that is kind of the response. But what happened in Crimea Crimea, uh, is a completely different story. It's not a response to NATO. It's rather a feeling that should Ukraine become a a NATO member, uh, then um, Crimea and the traditional Russian naval base of Sevastopol, which is where the Russian Black Sea fleet has traditionally been based, would no longer be part of the Russian fleet, and it would probably become either a base for a NATO fleet or a U.S. fleet, and Russia would see that clearly as a military danger. Yes and NATO appearing and NATO appearing on Russia's southwest border in Ukraine would be seen as dangerous to the Russians as say Soviet missiles were seen if they'd been based in Cuba for America. so with that in mind, uh, I believe the uh, the Russian leadership decided to take back Crimea to make double sure that that would not happen that even if Ukraine itself, uh goes or joins nato at least it will not have crimea as a base.
2: Yes, but the Ukraine has applied to NATO in the past and been turned down on the basis of corruption in government and other issues. The NATO countries don't want to be put in a position of having to defend defend the Ukraine against Russia, uh, particularly when uh, you know they, they don't have confidence in the, in the Ukrainian leadership. And so, you know, there's been more than one uh, attempt by the Ukraine to join NATO, and they've been turned down. Wouldn't that give Russia some confidence that NATO's not that eager to have the Ukraine join them?
3: Well, you know, the Russians are saying this. Look, there's no more Soviet Union. After all, NATO was created to protect the West from what was seen as a very aggressive Soviet Union. There is no more Soviet Union. The Warsaw Pact, which is created by the Soviet Union as a, as a military group to face NATO, is no longer exists. So the Russians would ask, why do you need NATO in any case? <laughs> who, are you, who are you protecting yourself from? If you're telling us that you're protecting yourself from North Korea and Iran, you're taking us for very stupid people. If it's about us, if you're still worried about Russia, then come out and say so and don't play games with us. Because when you, when you take in countries like uh, Romania, uh, Hungary, uh, the Czech Republic, uh, Poland, Uh, and the Baltics, Lithuania, Latvia, and and uh, Estonia, by the way, Estonia and Latvia are on Russia's border, Yes. then the Russians begin getting a little bit nervous. They're saying, well, why is this going on? And there really is no clear answer at all, except if the answer is, well, we don't trust you guys. We think you may attack, and that's why we're here. Well, that then changes the entire discussion. But what we're told is that that's not the case at all. So there's, I think that there's a lot of justified suspicion on the Russian side.
2: Absolutely. Now, now you've made the point that from a historical perspective, the Crimea belonged to Russia for 200 years, and uh, Nikita Khrushchev gave Crimea to the Ukraine, uh, partially as a compensation for killing so many Ukrainians in the 30s and 40s, but... Uh, since these states were all operating as part of the Soviet Union under Russian control, that that really didn't change much about day-to-day operations. So let me ask you this. How do the people of Crimea uh, feel? Do they consider themselves Ukrainian
3: or Russian? Well, it depends. I mean, there were were Russian people there, uh, ethnically speaking, Russian who spoke Russian. There certainly were Ukrainians there, ethnic Ukrainians, uh, a smaller number to be sure but they were there and probably considered themselves to be Ukrainians and finally there were the Crimean Tatars to whom Crimea belonged way back when it was under Catherine the Great in the uh, 18th century that the Russian empire took over Crimea took it away from the Ru- from the Tatars so uh, gradually it, it was part it was part of Russia from that point on and it was always uh, the majority of the population definitely were Russians and when this whole thing happened, well, first of all, of course, Khrushchev had absolutely no right to give away a piece of land to anyone. But of course that was the Soviet Union and the general secretary of the communist party did pretty much what he wanted, but that was totally illegitimate. And, uh, as you say, it was of no importance because it was part of the Soviet Union. So who cared? But when the Soviet Union ceased to exist and suddenly now Crimea was really part of Ukraine, a lot of Russians were very upset by that, and so were a lot of the people living in Crimea who considered themselves to be Russians and part of Russia, even though formally uh, uh, Crimea belonged uh, to, uh, uh, to the Ukraine. And uh, the, the referendum that has been strangely described in the West as being uh, held under the guns of Russian soldiers. I mean, that that's really uh, one of the most amazing things that I've heard on, on 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 American television. The overwhelming majority of people there definitely wanted to be part of Russia. I right. Mean, I mean,
2: our media has described this as Crimea being held hostage by Russian soldiers.
3: Yeah, I, I know, but that's you know, uh, I, I'm sad to say that the media on both sides. Uh, is really uh, totally unfair. It's become propaganda. There's very little journalism. There's very little attempt on either side to really inform the public balanced, uh, truthfully, and objectively. Each side is pushing uh, its own view uh, and, and is certainly disinforming uh, the public. Now, of course there were Russian soldiers in Crimea. There's no doubt about that. And initially, President Putin denied that. He said there were no soldiers. And then once the Crimea issue had been resolved as far as Russia was concerned, he admitted that, yes, uh, we did have soldiers there. And then recently, uh, in an interview, he even described in detail how, they had, uh, uh, how they'd make this thing work. So uh, that, that's a fact. But uh, yes. they were seen they were seen by the vast majority of people living in Crimea as friends. Yes. As people who were there to help them.
2: Yes, yeah. and, and, and they wanted that. They they felt they needed Russian protection to Absolutely. a certain extent. Now, now we have Absolutely. to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna find out what the US and NATO could do to de escalate tensions. You're listening to the Costa report.
1: Have you checked out the Costa Report blog yet? Well, what are you waiting for? There's no quicker way to find out what newsmakers are saying than the Costa Report blog at RebeccaCosta.com. It's where the former CEO of Apple and PepsiCo, John Scully, predicts where the next tech breakthroughs are going to come from. And also where Trent Lott explains why a GOP reversal of the Senate nuclear option will signal real change in our nation's capital. And the Costa Report blog is where you'll discover why Alan Dershowitz is worried that ISIS is adopting Hamas-like tactics. You'll find all this and more at the Costa Report blog. A new blog is posted every week, and they're short, pithy, and tell the unvarnished truth. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com to get the latest blog. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And while you're there, be sure to register for updates and breaking news. The Costa Report blog. Bringing you the news the big networks don't and won't. Happy Easter from
0: Lula's Chocolates Everyone likes to find their Easter basket Filled with love This Easter, let Lula's Chocolates help you find Just the right thing to make your basket pop Try our chocolate covered marshmallow eggs And bunnies for the kids Oh, and for you big kids, sea salt caramels Truffles, almond
2: toffee, and Aloha Rocky Road Mmm, so good Visit Lula's at our factory store in Ryan Ranch Our store in the Crossroads Carmel And our new store in Carmel on Mission Between Ocean and Seven Send a premium chocolate gift to friends and family By ordering online at Lula's
9: If you're an artist or want to learn to paint, this message is for you. This coming April, there'll be a worldwide gathering of artists to learn art, paint together outdoors, and experience the largest gathering of artists in the world. And lucky you, it's nearby. Artists are flying in from across the world to be at this giant event for artists. And you lucky dog, you're local, and you don't have to pay for airfare, rental cars, and hotel rooms. If you love to paint beautiful landscapes or want to learn from the world's top art instructors, join us at Monterey Convention Center this April. Look into this event for artists now. It's called the Plain Air Convention. Plain air is a French term for painting outside, like Monet. There are classes for people who have never before painted and classes for experienced painters. Learn from the very best in the world. Want to learn more? Go to paintersconvention.com. Yes, paintersconvention.com. That's paintersconvention.com.
5: This is Mrs. Future from the Dr. Future Show.
2: We have had Etheric Networks for 10 years and it has always been really a stellar service. There's always a real person there if you have any need to call them. They fix things as quickly as possible. Our service has hardly ever been down and the service is just great. We live kind of in the middle of nowhere and there are no other mainstream bandwidth providers where we are and Etheric is a great service. We're really lucky. Here we have it. Thank you, Etheric Networks.
7: KSCO, residential special. Residential service up to 10 megabits per second, symmetric. That's up and down for $85 a month and $199 installation. With guaranteed minimum speeds and uptime, unlike our competitors. Etheric Networks. Call 650-399-4200. That's 650-399-4200. Etheric.net. That's E-T-H-E-R-I-C.net.
9: It's always open house at the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, and you are always invited to walk right in and join the discussion. Hello, I am Mike Young, and I love talking real estate with all the experts and with you. So get a jump on the Real Estate Weekend every Friday, 7 p.m. on the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, right here on Listen and Be Heard Radio KSCO. The Mike Young Real Estate Hour is brought to you by Thunderbird Real Estate, Real People Selling Real Estate, by Rick Williams at American Pacific Mortgage, and by Steve Manville at Farmers Insurance. Friday at 7. See you then.
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Vladimir Posner. Uh, So do you mind, Mr. Posner, if I ask you, are we in danger of uh, returning to a Cold War environment?
3: I think we are, although... Of course, the Cold War was based on two very different ideologies. It was really two systems facing each other, one communist and the other, uh, call it free market or call it capitalist, it really doesn't matter. Uh, that's gone. Uh, Russia does not have any ideology uh, that is different from that of the United States or any other Western country. However, uh, there are profound differences in understanding of um, of geopolitics. It seems to me that uh, the United States considers itself to be now the top country, that it is the only superpower, and it does not want to admit the existence of any other country that in any way can say to it, no, we don't agree. So when Russia starts doing that, and it's uh, relatively recent, because it didn't do it under Gorbachev, and it didn't do it under Yeltsin. And it didn't do it initially during the first years of, of Mr. Putin's presidency. Uh, it, only beca- it, it happened after 2007 when Mr. Putin went to Munich and there made a speech about the fact that you cannot treat Russia as a second-rate country. You must respect us. You must treat us as equal. And ever since then, uh, he's been more and more demonized uh, in the Western media. Uh, what the Russians say is, look, this is a multipolar world. There is no such thing as one top dog, uh, and we don't agree with that kind of view. And that's that's where it is right now, and Ukraine is kind of the battling ground uh, for that whole issue. Uh, and it could be solved very easily, uh, provided that both sides really wanted to solve it. My feeling is that there are forces in the United States and in Russia that don't want a solution that are looking for things to get worse and worse, and for Russia to be more and more isolated because there is a, uh, uh, a huge financial and military interest in having that happen.
2: Well, now you've pointed out that after the fall of the Soviet Union that uh, the United States expected Russia to act, uh, to behave like a defeated country. And it didn't yes. <laughs> it didn't no, act did. like a defeated country. No. Um, no. Uh, no. And, and in some uh, in some aspects, uh, it it held its respect and dignity, and uh, it pulled itself up, uh, became uh, very prosperous. You've also reported that there is a growing anti-American sentiment in Russia that is uh, different than the dislike Russians may have had for some particular U.S. presidents or leaders. Um, I I don't believe that is widely understood in this country. So can you speak to that for a moment?
3: Yes, I can. And it's something that's really, for me, it's very disturbing. Someone who, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen, as well as being a Russian citizen. I have dual citizenship. And I grew up in New York, and I was a fan of the New York Yankees. So to me, America is not just a country. It's it's a place that... uh, but it was very close to me.
4: It was your home.
3: Exactly. And uh, what's happening now to me is extremely disturbing. You see, back during Soviet times, the average Soviet guy uh, was not anti-American. Sure. There was anti-American propaganda about, well, the, you know, racism in America and Vietnam and the American system and capitalism and wall street. But, The average guy was not anti-American. On the contrary, kind of liked Americans. There was an interest in, you know, who are they and how are they? And there was a bit of envy, I think. You know, wow, look at how, how, what a great life they seem to have and so on. This, there's been a radical change. Today, I would say that there's relatively even less anti-American propaganda on Russian state television, but the average Russian... Is very anti-American. We don't like Americans, and there are all kinds of nasty words to describe Americans. They're seen as being brash, brutal, um, wanting to have their way in the world, wanting to impose their system on everybody. Uh, and and it's 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 really for for a person like myself, it's really quite unpleasant. What
2: what do you think started the ball rolling in that direction?
3: Well, I think it's that the, the the American view and not of the, you know, the average American really knows very little about Russia and about the Soviet Union. And usually most Americans don't tend to know much about the world around them, sadly enough. So you can, uh, if you want to orchestrate a certain view, you can get it done uh, because people have no answer to what you're saying. Now, uh, what really happened was that when the United States won the Cold War. And in my opinion, it did win the Cold War and the Soviet Union lost it. Uh, There could have been two ways of doing this. One could have been, let's adopt a Marshall Plan like we did after World War II and direct um, financial help, but not just give it, but direct it very precisely to different aspects of Russia to see to it that democracy develops in Russia, that communism does not come back that that country changes very profoundly. The other approach could have been, well, we're going to show you guys, you you scared us for 70 years, well, you're going to pay for it. And I think that was the view that was basically um, adopted. And gradually... Now are, the- are we looked are- at
2: as a revengeful nation?
3: Uh, yes, kind of. You know, the Russians are a proud people. They, they 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 considered themselves to be a great nation with a great literature, great music, great art, a, a, a great nation. And when they began to understand that they were being um, disrespected, that uh, the United States was saying we don't care what you think, we don't care what you want, just you know, just sit in your corner and don't meddle. Gradually, a sense of resentment began to grow. And a lot of very agile people, and this was played on, of course, by different political uh, um, um, organizations in this country who are nationalistic, chauvinistic, whatever. But the initial reason for it was that, uh, in my opinion, profoundly erroneous approach on the part of the United States.
2: And yet we had such a lovely example with General Douglas MacArthur and how he treated the Japanese after that defeat. Yes,
3: Yes, yes. Well, some people never learn, do they?
2: Well, he elevated the emperor. Uh, he he spoke directly to U.S. soldiers and uh, and asked them to help rebuild Japan, which we did. Yes. And yes. Uh, And as That's a correct. result, you know, to give credence to what you're saying, Japan has been and has remained one of our strongest allies as a result of that.
3: That's correct, notwithstanding the use of the A-bomb.
2: That, exactly, and we went nowhere near that in defeating the Soviet Union, and we had no. that, that door opened up, and we had that same opportunity had we had the leadership to go in and uh, treat the Russian people with the same respect and dignity that General Douglas MacArthur treated the Japanese.
3: Now, although, of course, there was a difference that when you, you, you won the Cold War, but there's a big difference between a Cold War and a real war. Uh, you know, Russia was never occupied. Russia never surrendered. So there's a different attitude there. The Russians never considered themselves to be to have been conquered. Uh, but the
2: beautiful thing about Douglas MacArthur is he never treated the Japanese as though they were conquered I agree. I agree. so, so I from agree that from that respect, yeah, from that respect, the the conquering, you know, if you if you don't know you were conquered, You don't know you were conquered.
3: (laughs) You're absolutely right. So
2: so I I think there was a a tremendous opportunity there. Um, We're going to have to take another break. But when we come back, I'd really like to talk about a, a wonderful solution that you have proposed, which is that... Perhaps what the United States needs to do to de-escalate the situation is to find a a common enemy, a a common cause with the Russians that will allow us to join shoulder to shoulder uh, to battle some some, uh, issue that uh, we both share in common. So we're going to go ahead and take that last break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Vladimir Posner. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, and I have a question for you, Scott. What goes into making Method Champenois bubble?
10: You know, it's a process that's really defined by the French government that we've taken and enacted into our wines, which really drive the quality of our sparkling project.
2: So this is a process that the French government defines pretty specifically, and you remain faithful to that.
10: Yeah, 100%, and in some places we push it a little bit.
2: Now, how do the bubbles translate on the palate?
10: You know, it really gives you that vehicle, that mousse for the character of the sparkling wine, carrying the fruit and the complexity. It's the expression of the wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I. Cellars, come taste the difference.
8: Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Health and Human Services sparked a renewed interest in sun protection, issuing a call to action to prevent skin cancer. And what are the good doctors' recommendation for skin cancer protection? Avoid tanning booths and teach your children about sun safety. Folks at HHS also sagely suggest that we build more shades at parks, schools, and other public spaces. Interestingly, no mention is made of the importance of using vitamins, minerals, and essential nutrients, even though, according to a article, photo protection through nutrition can make an important contribution. To to the body's defenses against the effects of the sun. The whole idea of nutritional sunscreens used internally through foods and supplements as well as topically applied products is something you don't hear a lot about in the world of skincare. which is unfortunate because it means many people are going to be relying on toxic sunscreen chemicals and avoidance strategies to protect themselves from solar rays. Vitamin C and E can be particularly helpful as protectants. Both are well-known antioxidants that have internal protective and detoxification properties. Both can provide topical benefits as well. According to a 1996 study, when these two essential vitamins are added to topical sun protection products, they can provide enhanced protection against sunburn. Carotenes found in red-colored fruits and veggies can also provide sun protection benefits. Look for them, especially beta carotene in your favorite topical sun products, and make sure you're eating lots of carrots, tomatoes, and sweet potatoes, especially if you plan on spending a lot of time in the sun. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that i personally use and recommend you can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com that's kscohealth.com i'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work go to kscohealth.com make sure you check out the cool videos too at kscohealth.com that's kscohealth.com
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is Vladimir Posner. Uh, So, Mr. Posner, what could the U.S. and its European allies do to encourage Russia to uh, withdraw troops from the Ukraine? I I believe I read somewhere that you suggested that joining forces with Russia against some common enemy, such as terrorism in the Middle East, might be a more effective strategy than threatening Russia and attempting to uh, ostracize Putin.
3: Well, I think threatening Russia and all of these sanctions, on the contrary, only strengthen Putin's Putin's position. And as long as the majority of Russians support him, and about 86% do, and as long as they feel that they're being mistreated, that what's happening to them is not fair at all, they will continue to support Putin no matter how difficult life may become because of those sanctions. That's something that you should keep in mind. Point number, so I would say this. Um, if there could be some kind of um, guarantee uh, supported by the United States and by the, by the West European countries that Ukraine would not, for the next, say, 25 years or 30 years, join NATO, very clearly stated, and that um, Ukraine would remain a neutral country for that period. I think that would solve the issue immediately. In addition to that, it is true that both the United States, Western Europe, and Russia have a common foe, and that common foe is terrorism. ISIS is just one particular concrete issue, but there's more than that, and certainly that's something that should bring all of them together, to say nothing about the problem of um, uh, the, the ecology Uh, which is a disaster in the world today, climate change, which one country cannot in any way resolve. There are a lot of areas, both military and non-military, where Russia and the United States together achieve some really, really important results. Um, So if there were a political will to do it, it could be done. There's no doubt about
2: it. Is there any reason that you know of that NATO could not come out and say, uh, as you're withdrawing Russian troops from the Ukraine, uh, we will also step forward with an agreement to uh, um, not admit the Ukraine uh, to NATO? The only
3: reason would be.
2: I mean, why not say that? Why they're they're not planning to admit the Ukraine anyway? So why not just say it?
3: Well, I would say that it would be seen by many as loss of face. Uh Aha, we're backing down. See, we're doing something the Russians want us to do, and we have to show those Russians that they can't make us do anything.
2: Why is it that every time there's a smart way to approach things, it boils down to loss of face? How did that ever happen?
3: I, I, I wish I could answer that question, and the only thing I can say which is not very polite is because of the stupidity of the people who make those decisions. Because if you don't have, if you don't have the statesman's quality to be able to stand up and say, look, this is wrong, we should change it, and if someone says we're losing face, I don't care because it's the right thing to do. I just don't see the statesman, the people who have the, the, uh, the stature. That kind of thing, which is really a uh, and
2: a, and a isn't comment. it funny that 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 thing that you are worried will cause you loss of face will actually elevate your respectability?
3: I totally agree with you, but that's not the way they see it. It's and exactly I, the opposite. Say, exactly, and I say when I say they, I don't mean in just one country. I'm addressing this to, to both sides, to all sides.
2: Yes, but the fact is, is that NATO has, uh, as we spoke about earlier, NATO is not planning to admit the Ukraine. They are not going to do it, so they might as well uh, come out and say that, uh, create a safe environment by which uh, Russia can feel comfortable uh, and can feel respected, uh, pull their troops out of the Ukraine. This whole thing can be de-escalated fairly simply.
3: I totally agree with you, but I also think that someone might come up with with the following idea: Why not Why not change NATO? Why not create a new organization that would um, have a different a different angle, a different um, a different mission? Will, a different mission and include Russia, bring Russia in uh, because there are common things that have to be done. And I think that would be one of the, would be a major thing. We can't be done over, but if that were declared as as a possible aim for the relatively near future, that could be a tremendous change for the entire atmosphere that we're living in.
2: Absolutely, uh, you know it, the likelihood of something occurring, a conflict occurring with Russia, if Russia was part of NATO, uh, almost disappears at that point, I right? You don't turn against your okay. own team, your own teammates. No, no, uh, and you're, you're absolutely no, right. No. There's only one reason not to admit Russia into NATO. There's only one reason for NATO to completely to keep moving eastward, uh, and that is because they distrust Russia. And and now, unfortunately, I feel Putin's given him reason to, <laughs> so it's going yeah, the wrong well, direction.
3: I agree with you to a certain point, but I have to say that initially, uh, the idea, the trust that was betrayed, did not come from the Russian side, and so uh, I'm I'm absolutely certain that Putin and I, you know, I know him. That is to say that I've met him a couple of times and we've spoken one on one for actually more than an hour. Uh, I, I, I truly believe that he deeply trusts uh, the United States and the West, that he actually does not believe that you could make a deal with these people that deep down inside, they're going to try to get Russia, no matter what. That's a big, big problem. So you have a, it's a, it's a two way thing here again, but I think that, uh, uh, if certain steps are taken, you can move forward. But today I don't think any I think everybody's kind of moving backward and I don't see anyone trying to change that direction. Well I think that you
2: and I have made a good step today. I'd like to say that if we if we if we yeah, if we (laughs) open up the airwaves, if the American media is serious about reporting the truth, uh, even if it's inconvenient, even if it doesn't necessarily make our country look great. Uh, but if right. we're but if we're committed to reporting the truth, then what we're doing is we're committed to uh, increasing understanding amongst our citizenry, citizenry. And I think that is where it all starts. Now, uh, before we run out of time, is there a place where listeners c- can go to stay current on your work? Do you have a website?
3: Oh, uh, well, I do. It's called Posner Online. Okay, Posner
2: Online. And if you'd like more information and more straight talk about the situation in the Ukraine, in Crimea, and about Putin's ambitions, which I feel are are greatly misconstrued by the American media, I hope you will go to Posner online. Well, that is all the time we've got today, but before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for your coverage of the changes thank that are taking place right. in Russia. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Thank Posner.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. If your,
2: if your station is leaving us after this first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Vladimir Posner, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you missed the full interview with Posner or any of our other previous guests, you can download episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes Podbean, and our YouTube channel, and also the Voice America Business Channel. And if you enjoyed our conversation today with Vladimir Posner and you want to hear more unbiased international news coverage, there's a very easy way that you can keep independent journalism alive in our country. And, and the good news is, it won't cost you one red cent. The next time you're getting ready to order a book, a CD, an appliance, or, or even a gift from Amazon, please take a short detour over to our website at rebeccacosta.com first. By clicking on any book on our bookstore website, it'll take you right over to Amazon's main web page where you can make your your purchases. And every time you go through our bookstore to make a purchase at Amazon, Amazon contributes a small percentage of your purchases to the Costa Report. If every listener, if every listener will take just one minute to go through our bookstore page at RebeccaCosta.com to get to Amazon, then we'll be able to continue to bring you quality journalism the way you remember it. And like I said, it won't cost you one penny. On behalf of our men and women in uniform, I also want to thank you for taking that detour. As you know, I open each program thanking our brave men and women in uniform who tune in from remote locations each week over the Internet. And on behalf of our staff here at the Costa Report, we thank you in advance for your support. Next week, my guest is Iowa Congressman Steve King who has stirred up quite a bit of controversy by voting against funding homeland security and is proposing his own strategies for defeating ISIS and moving forward on immigration reform. Don't miss the always outspoken and very controversial Steve King next week on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to The Costa Report.